What's going on, world? It's your girl, Simone, and we are back with another episode of Bonnets and Do-Rags. Today, I have a very, very special guest with me. He goes by the name Jacques Bastine. He is a mogul in today's society. Like, if you don't know about him, you need to do your research. So, thank you so much, Jacques, for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yes, I am very much so excited. So, um, you know... Normal introduction, just go ahead, tell the people who you are, what you got going on, what you've got your hands in, you know, where you're from, all that good stuff. Just give us a little backstory on who Jacques the Man is. Cool. So Jacques the Man, <laughs> then that's giving me a little too much credit, but um, I was born in Haiti. I came to America when I was 10 in 2000. Um, typical story, was bullied in school, that kind of thing. Uh you know, being Haitian, one pair of shoes every day, oh my every gosh. day for a year. Uh, at one point, I used to dress up like, uh, you know, my, my parents, like I was going to church every day to school. Uh, so that typical story. But, uh, you know, fast forward to today, um, I, I, myself and my wife, we own a few companies. One of them is Boogie, which is a marketing agency. We work with companies, um, you know, to basically help them reach young consumers using social media. Uh, and those companies have been small companies and large companies like the NBA, Kinky Curly, etc. We also recently launched another company called Shade, where we take uh, influencers, you know, people with 50,000 followers and up on Instagram. We help them basically turn their followers into money, uh, long story short. Um, but besides that, we have some other things we're involved in. I am teaching at University of Albany. I teach a UI UX design class, basically teaching students how to design mobile apps. And um, I enjoy writing. I'm writing a book called Fake It, Make It, which basically talks about how I went from Haiti to being the person I am today and everything that I learned in, in the middle, of, in between. That way, yourself who's listening, if this is a path you're interested in or you have a side hustle that you want to turn into a business, that book will be uh, something for you. So that's 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 um, that's like the kind of the beginning and end of where I am and we can talk a little bit more about the in between um, during this conversation. Of course. So, But I want to dig into the very beginning. So, growing up in Haiti. So, okay. So, you said you got bullied in school. You said that you used to come to school with one shoe on? What? No, no, no. Oh, wait. I'm no. so confused. Back Sorry. it up. Back it up. <laughs> I mean, like, so, excuse me. I mean, like, you know, going to school in America, every kid has a new pair of Jordan. New uh-huh. pair of Jordans, like one day they got the red ones. Another, I'm saying I had one pair of shoe the whole school year. Oh, I see what you're like saying. Like my shoes yeah. started like ripping eventually and talking, mm-hmm. you know, when the the front flap starts. Um, but still, I had to wear. My dad probably just crazy glued it together or something like that. <laughs> Made it and work. I remember one time, um, Adidas. How many sw- um, how many uh, things they got? They got like three stripes. Oh yeah, I think so. Okay, so I had a pair of Adidas that had four. I think. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. But, you know, you got you to start somewhere. You know, start from the Humble bottom. Humble beginnings. Um, That's what that is. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I grew up in Haiti and, you know, from when I was born until I was 10. And then that's mm-hmm. when I came to America. So, did you? what's the difference between the school system in Haiti versus what you've noticed here in America? It's a good question. So, when I was in Haiti, I was in, in private school. Mm-hmm. And when I came to America, I was in, I was in public school. Which is interesting because um, I'm thinking right now, Haiti doesn't have public school. Sorry. 
So, um, oh, really? at least as far as I knew, I don't oh, know. Okay. Back then, if you wanted to go to school, you had to pay for it. Mm. You know what I mean? So, um, but <clears throat> excuse me. The the thing is, this is actually actually important. Me going from private school in Haiti to public school in America, because in Haiti we were, I want to say somewhat lower middle class, maybe you know just middle class, right? Like in Haiti, our same finance our same everything the moment we touched the land in america we became lower class like really? instantly we became like you know in the system living the projects um that kind of thing so um so i mean school was different obviously because whatever the difference between public school and private school you know um i wasn't bullied in private school i'll tell you that hmm. uh you know so in public school they just have everybody there and not hmm. just any type of public school too public school in the areas where that the areas that have been forgotten you know mm -hmm. you don't have the most newest computers you don't have the you know stuff like that obviously at the time you don't know those things at the time you think this is all there is until you somehow stumble somewhere else or you're watching you know however you like whoa there's more out there mm -hmm. but so th those are some of the um immediate differences was changing classes mm -hmm. that was probably the biggest culture shock for me being in haiti where i almost could have had anything i wanted to versus being here where like there was nothing I could really have. Yeah. And as a 10-year-old, that transition must have been so hard because, you know, even when you're like four or five and you move to a different country, a new location, new city, whatever, you know, you don't, you're not really attached to your friends as much as you would be in at 10 years old. Right. So what was that transition like for you socially when you came to America? So, see, I mean, I don't remember any of my friends back then, so mm -hmm. it's all good. I have this belief that between eight to twelve year old is like your what have whatever happens in life around that age is what you're gonna be for the rest of your life. So mm -hmm. my my so around when I was you know between eight to ten, I was traveling. I, I was um, transitioning, if that means anything, from Haiti to America. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So it you know being uh, being realistic, it wasn't uh, a huge shock as it relates to like my social life. You know I didn't. I don't remember any of my friends back then, so I kind of came here. But early on, I didn't speak any English, so I didn't really have as much friends either, you know, being in America. Uh, so, you know, the I think the biggest change for me was in Haiti, our whole family was there. You know, my you know older, older aunts and uncles or whatever. So I was, like, treated like a prince. I was taken care of. Oh, okay. Not, like... Prince like coming to America, yeah. not like that. I mean, but you had it made. Like I mean, you I did very you, comfortable. Like I was what we call privilege. Mm. You know, like I was, and there was nothing wrong with it. But I was privileged, like mm -hmm. highly privileged. I didn't have to. At ten years old, I didn't have to think much. It was just like yeah, this, this, and that. You know, Chris Brown says, "I work too hard to be balling on a budget." My mom used to say something very similar, which was, "She works too hard." for me to not be able to afford to get the things that I want. That's when we were in Haiti, you know? So, um, but as soon as we came here, I became almost like somebody who was doing the caretaking. The Like I had younger siblings. Okay. And when we came, we came with my dad. My mom stayed back and came a year later. So because of that, I went from being taken care of to being the older son, helping my dad take care of my brother who was six, my little sister who was two. Mm. So... That itself was a shock, but it's just the three I'm grateful for it. You know, I'm grateful for it because 
I'm happy because back to around. So when I was ten, around that that age, I was doing the taking care of people. Mm-hmm. That's something I was doing, and a lot of that has you know all, a lot of that plays into the person I am today. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, it was definitely a change, but you know, it was definitely humbling to go from where I was to where you know what we did in in, in America. But I mean, there was another big difference too. I don't know why, but like McDonald's and things like that. I feel like I just don't remember them in Haiti. So the moment I came here, I just like ate. So I then I, I eventually gained weight, and so I was a little chubby dude. And um, like in junior high, and um, yeah, like early junior high, late elementary, I was a little chubby. Oh my god! So, but yeah, um, so I mean that that's what it was. And and you know, it now the embarrassing thing is, I haven't gone back to Haiti since I came here. Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness, what's the hold up? So, <clears throat> a lot of reasons were, the first one is, at one point in life I couldn't afford to go back. Mm-hmm. You know, I was still young and whatever, I was focused in school. When I got to college, when I became an adult and I could kind of make these decisions myself, I started the company. I started Boogie, so I had to be available 24-7. Mm-hmm. So because of that, then I couldn't do it. I also couldn't do things like... Um, What's that thing they do in school when you, like, go somewhere else? Study abroad. Study abroad. I couldn't do stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, because I couldn't, like, I needed to be to internet and stuff like that. And that was my livelihood. So now I'm old enough where, you know, I'm married now. We can make that decision. We're going to go. Um, the year of the earthquake, we're, um, I was planning on going. And then that happened. I was like, wow. snap. Okay. So then we're actually looking, considering going this year, me and okay, my wife. good. Yeah. That's I know. Awesome. Don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> if you're listening, don't tell nobody. We won't. We won't. So let's um, piggyback a little bit. So tell me about um, what high school was like for you. High school. So high school was junior high. Hated junior high. Mm-hmm. High school was cool. High school was a little cool because I was able to kind of reinvent myself mm-hmm. a little bit. Not that much. I was still corny. I was still, you know, but I was able to reinvent myself a little bit. Don't and say corny. That's, no. a, that's a bad word. I don't, I don't like the word corny. Corny? It has a negative connotation. It makes it, it makes, I think that it makes people feel like you're beneath them. If you Does say, it? oh, ew, you're corny. Like, I don't know. I would, no, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I, I, and I mean by the wor- the world's definition of corny. I was, however, you're right. <laughs> you know, you're right. I mean. I guess there shouldn't be such thing as corny. No, it's just you're unique and you're unique. Exactly. You're unique. I got you. I mean, borderline weird. Okay, I get that. But even... So weird is cool? Weird is like... It's also a negative word, but I guess I, I would say that, you know, if someone said, oh, you're weird, like, it's okay because you can own that. Mm-hmm. Like, you can own that sense of, okay, that's my uniqueness. I have a weird, unique... Like, I have a weird trait about me or whatever. Weird tendencies. But gotcha. if you're saying, ew, you're corny, like, oh, your shirt is corny, like... Your shoes are corny. You're writing them off as not being as good enough. Gotcha. And that's how I have been. No, that makes perfect sense. Thinking about it like that, so. No, that makes perfect sense. When, I mean, um, interrupt you. I just no, corny no, is a trigger word, so it's just. Is it? Like, no, it's, yeah, I just don't like it. Does that? I mean, I, I, there are words that I know, like annoying, is a word for me. Mm-hmm. That is that word. It's mm-hmm. like, and I don't know why. Like, if you can call me, you can call me ugly. You can call me corny. <laughs> you can call me. Worse words, mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like you call me annoying, and I don't know why. And I'm sure it's probably rooted to some experience we've had in the past that the word annoying like gets me, like, well, 
okay, so let me just, let me I'm, I push yeah. so far away. Like, if I'm annoying to you, like, if that's the thing that I do to you, we don't need, this don't need to ever be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like my wife would, would joke around, like, or sometimes she would say, like, in a non, you're annoying, you know, but then, like, I'll take it serious. Oh, and I later okay. realized, like, come on, you know she wasn't serious, but, like, but even that, you know, so yeah. I know she doesn't say it, she doesn't say that word, but, so I, corny to you is what annoying is to me. I see. Maybe okay. we need to, you know, get yeah, see well, somebody well, about that. Yeah, you know, we what? should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Clearly, we have something inner, like inside of us yeah, that I, we need. It stem, yeah, yeah, it stems from something, some traumatic experience. But um, yeah, high school was cool. You know, I in high school, I one of the things that, and I won't, I don't want to admit this, but one of the things that in high school, I started dating this girl. Who was popular? She was, she was like, I want to, you know, um, Smallville. Mm-hmm. Me and my wife started watching Smallville, so um, I, I just start saying Daisha. Her name is Daisha. <laughs> Me and Daisha. Um, so we started watching Smallville again, just whatever, forward time six. But um, Lana in Smallville is like very popular, but she's like nerdy. She's like good, and she's not like. You know, and I don't know, you know, popular is like the cheerleader that's like, think they're better than you. Lana was wanted and liked by everybody, but yet she was like, she did her work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So in high school, um, I did a lot of things, but there was this one girl I started dating. She wasn't Lana, but she was kind of like a Lana. And I think that also helped me a lot without realizing, like now me thinking back to it, because the moment we started dating... I naturally hung out with her and her friends. Now, so mm-hmm. I, I wasn't up to, whatever they were up to. I was not that type of person. However, I got respected as if I was a part of that crew. So, high school was a lot a little easier. You know, it was a little easier. Um, I didn't get bullied in high school, and I kind of stood stood my own in high school. Mm-hmm. So, and also too, I spoke a little better English at that time. Mm-hmm. So I was able to defend myself a little more. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Oh my goodness. So then. So you majored in, so you went to Albany. Yep. So what year did you enter in? I So graduated high school 2007, uh-huh. 2008, excuse me. And I went to UAlbany the same year. Um, and I went into UAlbany as a, as a bio major. Mm. Then, so I went as a, officially, I went in as a music major. Officially. Oh, yeah, because I read somewhere that you used to produce beats in yeah. high school. You used to give them to your friends. So hold on, we got to talk about that. Yeah. So, is that something you still do now? Or? No, so not not right now. Okay, I haven't made so it's a, beat. a hidden talent of yours. Like I haven't made a beat in a while, but like if like my wife is probably the only person who, and who, and I'm sure when I do this, I'm probably being annoying, but <laughs> but she doesn't say it. Okay, um, I definitely have a love for making music and and even freestyling and rapping. It's not. I'm not. You know. I'm not a rapper. I don't publicly put it out there. Mm-hmm. But I have created the things our rappers create, mm-hmm. whether it's a beat or music or whatever. I just don't put myself as a rapper. I still play guitar. Um, I have two guitars up there. So, but yeah, I used to make beats um, and I used to sell them for $20, $30. That's it? $20, 30 That was a lot. High school? That was yeah, a lot that's of true. money. That's true. These high school kids that's now, like they got cell phones, they got houses. <laughs> But back then, I mean, it wasn't even that far. It was like 2006. Mm-hmm. $20 was money. Yeah. Like, no, you're right. You're right. I was 
I was doing it, man. <laughs> I was I was a millionaire in in that time. So, but like you're saying, beef patty with um when they used to be so beef patty was twenty seventy five cents mm-hmm. in the corner store, and I used to get like um it was oh my god beef patty seventy five cents with a twenty five cents um peanut that combination. <laughs> And if I have more money, if I have more money, I would get one of them like fifty cent juice, the one that they said killed sperm. The which one? The little juicies. Are you, are you from? I'm from Albany. You from Albany? You don't know these things. <laughs> oh, you don't Leave know these things. Leave me alone. Oh, we had corner stores, obviously. Y'all ain't got no corner stores there. Y'all got a real corner. Y'all got price chopper. <laughs> Whatever. Nah, but there was um, there was these juice. I forgot what they were called, but like. They were, I think they eventually were like taken down the shelves because they said they were killing people's sperms or something. <laughs> but they were up. 50 cents juice. They were like soda. I don't, they were, I mean, they were 50 cents. I have no idea what you're talking about. Look, <laughs> all you need to know, it was the best thing that happened, period. <laughs> but yeah, that was my like after school. So anyways, I was making, I was caking in, in high school. But I was also doing some other things in high school, like as it relates to for money. Mm-hmm. I used to um, fix computers. So mm-hmm. most of my time in high school was spent in school or at home. I didn't have any extracurricular activities like outside of my oh, house you weren't or on school. Any sports teams or anything like no. that? No. Okay. And most of the reason was because as soon as school was done, I had to go home to watch my siblings. Mm. So backtrack a little bit. In 2004, I was in high school, junior high. Junior high, my last year, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. In 2004, so we came in 2000. 2001, my mom came to join us. So we were like a one big happy family. Then she gave birth to my younger sister. Her name is Tensia. She's now turning 16 this year. Ridiculous. Oh my gosh. But in 2001, 2004, my mom passed away oh, in sorry. Brooklyn. That's nah, all good. And a lot of that has to do with even. You know, everything happens for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. at the time, you don't realize it, but later on, when you're older and you kind of reflect back, you realize, you know, life is what it is, you know. But um, she passed away in 2004. So then most of the reason why I had to run home, it wasn't like run, but I needed to be home to watch my siblings. They were younger. If I was 14, my brother was 10. Mm-hmm. And then my uh, under him was 6. And if I was... 16 and 12 and then 8. So they were younger. So I had to be home with them to like, you know, cook and do this kind of stuff. I, I mean, I used to do my sister's hair. Like cornbread. Really? Yeah. You can cornrow? I mean, I don't know if I could now anymore. But oh my I goodness. Used to. Wow. So, um, but it goes back to like that whole when I was 10, I became a caretaker yeah. kind of thing versus the little prince coming to America type dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, I had a computer at home, but it never worked. Mm-hmm. So then... And Google wasn't as popular back then, but it still existed. Yahoo, I think, was probably better yeah, that as Jeeva and mm-hmm. things. So I used to use that trying to fix the computer. So I learned computers a lot. And when I got to high school, actually, um, I got to high school and then we moved to Red Hook, which is the, the projects in Red Hook. Um, I started fixing computers, like going to different people's places and fixing computers. Then I met this guy named Victor. Who took me under his wing and he started showing me how to fix computers even more and he started giving me jobs so like i mean if i think back now like he was really playing me not really he's a good guy how 
right, like I'll tell you, like somebody would hire him to fix a computer, two hundred dollars. Okay. He'll like, hey, go new project. I'll go fix a computer. Come back. He'll be like, good job, twenty dollars. Oh, so in theory, okay. Back then, I'm like, yo, twenty dollars. Uh-huh. It's just some cake, you know. But it, you know, it's twenty dollars, and to me, it was like twenty dollars for doing something I'm, I'm, I would do for free. However, I know um, it is what it is. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm grateful for the lessons I learned. But all those little experiences I've had had a lot, played a, lot, a big role in the person I am today and the life that I live today. You mm-hmm. know, the life of having employees and people to pay and and knowing that something costs one amount, I outsource it to somebody else, but I'm charging my piece in there. Like all those, I'm, So it's like a lot of those things have um, played a lot uh, into it. So... But yeah, in high school, fixed computers, I was selling beads. And at one point, I only did this for one day, though. I even drove a taxi once. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. <laughs> there was a taxi cab company right by the house. And I got, had just got my license. And it was like 20. So, I'm going to tell you. They paid. They just took 20%, I think. 20 or 25% off your money. That's mm-hmm. it. So, if they call, someone calls the base, the base calls you or gives you the job. Or somebody goes to the base, they just say, hey, you take him. Whatever the amount is, you just owe them 20% of it. Hmm. So I, I went one day, and they ran my license, everything. And then um, I did like a few rides. And then I was like, okay, cool. I did this. Then I, I didn't do it again. But So I also ran taxi once. <laughs> you were just a little Typical hustler. Typical Haitian thing, right? Yeah. Typical Haitian. Oh, Haitians well, drive some no. taxi. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... Let's dig into the term that you use so often, hustlepreneur. So obviously, you're, you are a natural hustler because you had all these things going on in high school. So where does that come from? Did you make that up? What is that all about? Like So hustlepreneur, I'm going to say, yes, I made it up. And I'm 99.99% sure I made it up. Okay. However, informa- you know, we consume so much information on a daily basis, and it's easy to forget. Mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing it. I mean, it wasn't like a magical thing, you know, like they're parent, parent entrepreneur. There's like, you know, like I've seen all, I've seen them all. Parent, parent entrepreneur or parentpreneur or whatever. There's um, womenpreneur. There's, mm-hmm. so there's all like, those all different things, like, like things. Play on so work, hustle yeah. is just like, oh, I work hard. That's the thing, you know, but I don't know if I saw it somewhere else and said, oh, I like this. I'm going to use this. But I know I got the domain name. And <laughs> and I've been using it consistently ever since. So I'm confident I made it up, but I'm going to also be realistic and say I could have also been influenced by something else I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and what what a hustlepreneur is, at least by my definition, is you know every single thing that I do in life, there are a lot of things that has played a role, people I met, chances, and God, and everything. But um, ultimately, uh, it's it's work. You know, like, it's been a lot of work. You know, like, I feel like every part I've been in my life, I've known somebody else trying to, like, everything I've been trying to get or do, I knew somebody else was trying to do it and get it. Like, when I was on campus, I knew other barbers, you know, and we didn't even get to that. I used to cut hair on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but when I was on campus, I knew other barbers. When when I was selling beats, I knew other people selling beats. Um, I guess I knew other taxi drivers, too. You know, but... <laughs> Ultimately, like the, the when I look back to the last few years, the thing I have over most people is that I outwork them. So, hustlepreneur is this declar- declaring that like you're an entrepreneur that is like 
move by hustle. Like hustle is how you get it. You know, now I go a little step further and say a hustlepreneur is an entrepreneur that works both smart and hard. And, you know, there are people who works hard. And, you know, like a lot of us doing that's great. Then there are people who work smart, which is like, you know, 80-20 rule, all those kind of things. But if you're the kind of person who is consciously trying to work both smart and hard, you can't lose. And that's really what I, I define the word uh, hustlepreneur as. Mm-hmm. So you said that you used to cut hair in your dorm room. How long did you do that? I did that for freshman year and sophomore year. So were you experimenting? Did you know that you, like, did you do it on yourself? Like, yes. who, how do these people trust you enough to get their edge up? Like, all right, look, so, by you. so I came to college, all right, and mm-hmm. then I was EOP, EOP in the building. All right, <laughs> so education opportunity program for those who are not familiar. Um, and through that program, I was able to, um, I came to campus I think two months before everybody else. Okay. So, September, uh, August 2008 is when most people came. I came July, July, August, whatever. I came early July. So, early July, and most people come in late August. So, about a month, uh, month and a half. Throughout that time, I got a chance to look at the area, and I didn't really know much of the area. I didn't know the barbers or anything, but in my mind, I was like, I don't know if I trust these people cutting my hair. Mm-hmm. Back then, too. Waves was a thing. Like you had to have waves mm-hmm. and you know three sixty spinning. Caesar, yeah. So it was dark Caesar. It was, you know that that's what it was. And I didn't know if people actually knew those things. So I said, I went to YouTube and Google, and I looked into. Um, I started looking into how to cut hair, and I bought um, a pair of clippers, and I started experimenting on myself and some friends. Like I, I still have some cuts on my arm. Like they, they you can't really see them as well, but cuts of me like trying to sharpen the blades and trying to like mm. test them so i started with myself i did my brother then my roommates then eventually i was cutting about 30 hairs a week on campus how much were you charging the head i was charging five dollars haircut uh I, I was charging uh five dollar shape up eight dollar haircuts and ten dollars for like anything extra oh. I, I even got a i got a um i made a commercial you know you. Should. I have a commercial, and it's like, it's do like. Do you have it? I do. Oh my goodness! I need to see this. There's right a now. commercial, and it's like, it's like five dollar haircuts. They actually say this in the commercial. I'm like five dollar haircut. Um, it's like five dollar shape ups, eight dollar haircuts, and ten dollars for anything that's not just a regular haircut. Something like that. I'm so done. But. So I made a commercial, and I don't know if it would actually be able to play, but I just play it anyway, just so you can get an idea of. And we can put the link so people could be watching this. Design. 
now we can't join your girl, but we can do it all. I'm saying, schedule your next cut today. Call or text us at 347-623-2548. It's the kid Boogie, know what I'm saying? Reppin' Boogie's Cut. Also known as Boogie Productions. Check me out, and for more information, visit our website, www.boogiegraphics.com. And if you're lazy, cause I know some of y'all lazy, just Google us. Yeah, you heard me, Google us. Maybe trying to impress a girl, trying to take her out, trying to do all that, I'm saying. First stop, oh come to Boogie's Cuts. We'll hook you up. And like I always say, Boogie's Cuts. You need a haircut. <laughs> How do I keep these girls off of me? <laughs> I am so done with you. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. So, yes. for those of you who... Um, I'm sure there's going to be a link there that you can actually link. take a look. Yes. But um, <laughs> this commercial was... It came up... Uh, Google had a commercial... Um, they like their first time I think doing a commercial and it was like it was really nice it was like a couple and they were writing like it was like something like how do you find singles then they met then it was like how do you what to wear on the first date so they were googling most of the stuff and then it was like um, what do you buy what do you what do you uh, how do you move something like buy find tickets to move mm-hmm. to the place and then selling your home or something like that then the last one was like cribs like what do you find cribs so it was showing their progression and their relationship from meeting to like all those things and google uh, was a part okay. of it it was a really Aww, nice commercial that is cute i saw it and i was like yeah i'm borrowed this so yeah. i use the same concept <laughs> which is this idea of you know you you'll see click the link uh, you'll see the commercial but it was it's funny it's that is too funny you are really like an all-around hustler <laughs> yeah so hustle i am um, at the time i and thankfully i knew how to edit videos so mm-hmm. i set my camera up and and i made it you know i was fun times fun times i was gonna make a comment and ask you if you used to put that like if you put it on myspace because when you enter school like 2008 2008 it's 2008 was when myspace was like faded like at that point because people still had myspace but But nine and up it was like no yeah yeah. that's what i was thinking i think in 08 that's when we all transitioned over to face exactly Oh, uh, eight is the transition. Mm, yeah, so that's crazy. I miss MySpace though. I think I, oh, out man. of all the old social media platforms, before I even knew what social media was, MySpace was it. MySpace was. MySpace. It. I mean, I'll give MySpace some credit because early parts of me learning to code was MySpace. Me too. You know, me like too. all the coding I do now. I mean, now I've taken a little step further, but earlier on was just stuff I learned on MySpace. Yeah, so, I used to make layouts for my friends. Man, like, that's <laughs> keep my page up, change uh, up the color. <clears throat> Do a little photo slideshow. I was so ghetto. I even had like a, a voicemail thing. When you entered my page, it had my like a voiceover. It was like, it's your girl Simone, right. aka Black Barbie. <laughs> I was so ratchet. <laughs> I've seen, I saw my, um, I mean, they changed the layout now, so it's not the same yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. But I saw on my MySpace, I had some of my early designs, like first, first time I designed things. Man, those things are so ugly. Oh my but like, gosh. But we stuff, thought it had to come from somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we thought it was. I mean, it was better than what most people were doing. They were mm-hmm. doing a little marquee code here and there. Yep. I had a whole background. Like, actually, people started paying me to the same way. Like, I was designing MySpace backgrounds for them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, uh, ah, life. Uh, I always <laughs> think, like, that is my... I don't have regrets in the world, but that is one of my biggest regrets not taking that coding seriously because if i could have took that further and i knew what kind of job i could have had today i could be making six figures right now i mean here's the thing though it's not too late i know everyone says that it isn't too late and i mean i have i have the basics but 
my job doesn't call for me to code. Like I would just be coding like on Tumblr. Like yeah. I mean, but they're they're like uh, DIY courses that you can take That's yourself. True. And I mean, like we're talking about it. You could spend thirty minutes a day, an hour a day. Learning to code that's going to help you make say make the six figures next year. You're absolutely right. You know? Like the way you think. Yeah. And we all have an hour a day. Yeah, like you, you can if you don't have an hour a day, then I'm not gonna say give up on life. <laughs> I'm not. But you know, you sleep too much or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And we can always at least give up an hour of sleep, I think. But mm-hmm. maybe I don't know everybody's situation. Yeah. No, but you're right though. They always say that you have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce does. So mm. if she has 24 hours in the day to get her shit done, so mm. do you. Excuse my French. <laughs> her out here working out at um, Soul Cycle. Pregnant. Really? I didn't see that. Yeah, it's like she's like going hard every single day at Soul Cycle while pregnant. I'm not gonna, I almost had a heart attack when I was watching um, whatever the was it was the other day. And she just oh. leaned back. Yes, the grip. Like, I was I like, get Lord it. Jesus. I'm sure they tested as many times. Ugh. However, accident is called accident for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's not called purpose. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I was, man, I was like, I was praying for her. I was Me like, too. Like, out of everything that could happen, I'm Lord. happy it went well. She went back and came right back up. Yeah. Everything was fine. Yeah. So... Because I'm like, they could have tested it with Beyonce's old weight, but not her new weight. I don't know, you know. No, there's so many factors that go into that. We all were at the edges of our, edges of our seat watching that. Literally. And yesterday, um, I saw on Twitter that Sierra got in a car accident. What? Yeah, but she's okay. But Is I was, the baby fine? Yeah, the baby's fine. But wow. I was like, look, oh my goodness, these pregnant women over here. Being I mean, rich. Sierra had a nice video that she did that was on Twitter the, when she was dancing. Oh, yeah. But and she jumped when over she the jumped couch. Over the couch I, I was like, like yeah, I no, threw my phone. No, I was like, I was, no, she didn't. I was, I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I looked at, I'm like, you're not gonna do you, right? Like, I was Sit talking to Daisha. I'm like, <laughs> whenever you, you, you better, you know. Oh, oh my goodness. I was scared for her, but scared. you know, I'm happy it went, it worked. <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So. Aww. It's crazy. Tell me what college was like for you. So you were an information science major. You said that you were a bio major going in. So obviously yeah, college, you thought so that. College was dope. Okay. Um, I'll say college was dope because it was the perfect reinvention. Mm-hmm. Like it sucks to say this, but like I reinvent, like the me, I came into school in high school, in junior high and in high school as someone like I couldn't, like, I was the Haitian kid who didn't speak English. That's mm-hmm. who I was. I couldn't change that. There was no way I could have, you know, like, I couldn't just learn English. So, like, a lot of times, before I even said a word, I was already just, like, put into a category. I was with the nerds or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, college, I spoke English. So, like, we don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> um, I've been in high school already, and I know what I like and what I didn't like. So, college was a chance for me to literally start over, mm-hmm. like, I was able to just be myself. So that the first time I actually felt like I could just be myself was in college. Um, came to U Albany and picked them over Binghamton and some of the other schools I got accepted to. Why is that? Uh, I think Bingham at the time Binghamton I got a vibe of like they thought they were something. Like mm. like U Albany was very like hey come here we want you here Binghamton was more like come if you want if not we'll fill the spot. Okay. Like they didn't say this but that's yeah what I got. that's the kind of vibe maybe I was being sensitive I don't know either way. <laughs> Um, so I came to UAlbany and, you know, the whole, um, I came there, my intention was, um, music. Like, I think 
it's either music or bio. Like my like when I like f- fill the application, the thing I I think it was music. Came in from like day one. I was like, how do I change this to bio? Change to bio. Why? Because I was like, all right, it's not. I guess I can't really do much with music, mm-hmm. so I went with bio. But I've always wanted to be a pediatrician from when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So it, it what? But I realized later on that it was a Haitian thing. It wasn't like Haitian or Caribbean parents. They wanted to be lawyer, doctor, or whatever. So. That's why I wanted to be a pediatrician. I like kids, but I can do many other things as someone who likes kids. I can teach kids. You know, like, so it didn't have to be a pediatrician. Um, so, but I went to bio. Then I went to computer science. Then I went to information science. All in the same semester. What? The first semester. I know. Don't tell nobody. Oh, my god. Like, you better not tell nobody if you're listening. <laughs> I know. I was just... I, I was know just, you were, like, low-key stressed. Nah, it, it wasn't, though. I just didn't take it as serious. Oh, okay. So, like... I wasn't stressed because I didn't take it as serious. That's okay. what I'm saying. However, um, yeah, it was, I mean, I was, so I came in. The good thing is it didn't affect me because the first two years or so, you're only taking gen eds anyway. Yeah. So it's just on paper. It was just like I went one day, they put one thing, they scratched the next, they put something else. But I took, when I finally hit, it was computer science. I was like, damn, this is it. They gave me a computer science class. I took that class. Got an A minus because my roommate was also in the class that he knew this stuff. Mm-hmm. He gave me all the answers. But if it was up to me, I'd, I would have failed. The moment my grade came back, I was like, great, change this thing. What's what's the lowest version of this? So information science was the lower version of computer science. What's the difference between information science and computer science? Well, as far as I know, computer science is like chips. Like the chips in the system. Like you're learning oh, those things. Okay. While information science... I mean, technically, has a lot to do with once the chip is installed and then now the information that comes from there, you mm. deal with it. Now, there are a lot of jobs you can get with them, but one of the things that information science major showed me, and I was like, oh, I like this, was you could be a web designer. It had to do with information and, and database and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I was like, that seems easy enough. So I went information science and I stayed there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, had a, I was a business minor as well. Mm. So... That's what I went to school as, and school was cool. Uh, got a, a decent grade, excuse me, got a 3.5 GPA the first semester. I was like, school's easy. <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm going to go turn up. Back then, no, that wasn't the word yet. But yeah. What I'm was like, the word back then? Yeah, I'm chill. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go party. I don't know. But anyway, so. Uh, Turned up. <laughs> so I think it was I went up. to, like, I just like, oh, next, the second semester. I was like, that's not going to be. Yeah. So then the second semester, I got a 1.5 GPA. <laughs> a 1.5? Don't tell nobody. I keep telling you this. 1.5? So my overall Did now, you like barely go to class? I failed one. I don't know how one fell class is because you could just reach out like, hey, come on, sorry. You know, something. But I failed one. Oh my I got Ds on the others. Mm-hmm. Um, got a 1.5. So my overall became 2.2. Mm, that's I crazy spent, how much it holds weight and yeah. drops like so far down and it's so hard to pick back up too i spent the whole college my whole college life just trying to bring it back up Mm -hmm. and i ultimately graduated with a 2.9 i think 2.8 or something like that Mm -hmm. which was like good job i guess but you know like it if i took it my second semester if i took it a little more serious i probably would have had a three point something or whatever thank god my life didn't turn out to have to be something that needed high Mm -hmm. gpa you know yeah. So that was that was like me in college, and you know I threw some parties when I was in college. Oh, you threw some parties. So I, I was throwing parties. Uh, At the in the campus then. Yeah. Oh. So when I went to school, so what happened was I went to school, 
met some people, met my boy Jermaine. Oh, I love Jermaine. And we started talking about this group called Stylist Key. Okay. So I was brought into this meeting, and it was uh, seven guys, I think, seven or eight of us. And we were talking about this thing called Stylist Key. So we became a group called Stylist Key. Mm-hmm. And Stylist Key was uh, like a boy group. Like, you know, like they have, there were, there were some others. There was like Sounds one. like a boy band. <laughs> I guess. There was one called uh, HBB. I think that was another group there. There was one called Fly Without a Choice, <laughs> FWAC. So then Stylist uh, Key or Sick was the one we had. And then, and the whole thing was Sick was we we're going to dress up everywhere. Everywhere we go, we're going to stay fly. And and I don't mean fly like like Gucci or whatever. Just like we're gonna dress up and attempt, and we all all wore keys as well, like on our like chains. It's corny. It was. It's it's all right. Okay. It was. It was. (laughs) It was funny. It was weird. It It was was different. It was cool. But it was cool. You guys thought it was cool back then. We did. Oh, we did. We thought we were hot. We thought Uh we were a bag of chips and (laughs) like we thought we were something. We wore purple and gray. That was our color. Like, it was a thing. And then we um, got invited to this this group to start throwing parties. That's when the whole party thing started. All of our sick guys said, like, this is not for me. They left. But I stayed in that group. So that's how I started. I started um, throwing parties myself. But they kind of got out. They weren't interested in it. And through that group... That group that we brought in was a group that, and we can skip over. This is not, you know, that that group was a group that most of my actual friends, um, most of my um, other friends were also part of that group. Mm -hmm. That group was called um, Star? Star? Young Stars. Young Stars, yes. So Young Stars, which was was some of my boys. So I was kind of part of both now. I was Young Stars, but I was also sick. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. So, but we started throwing parties. So on a typical weekend, I was cutting hair. To someone who's going to a young star party that I threw. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like making money from someone from two different places. Then we so we were spending like $100 um, on like a flyer designer. So I went to YouTube and Google and I started Googling how to design. And I had started playing around designing in the past with like designing on Microsoft Word though. So not a real thing. But mm-hmm. I somehow magically found a copy of Photoshop somewhere. And I started designing. That was really the beginning of Boogie Graphics that we know today. Mm. So that's really when I started designing was to design our flyers. So we'd have to pay that person so we could split the money better amongst us. Um, and same thing with photography. I eventually started taking pictures. We didn't have to pay that person anymore. Um, so on a typical party we threw, my boy who was part of the group DJed. So that was his role. So we didn't have to pay a DJ. I did the flyer. So we have to pay a designer. I took photos, so we'd have to pay for that. And the other guys did their own different parts of it. So then we were all in charge. Like it was almost like a team, like a company in a way. So we just kept the profits. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, but that started, <clears throat> excuse me, that started early Boogie Graphics, which today we now know as Boogie. Because mm-hmm. I started designing for just us, but other people kept on coming to me. Like even competitors, like there were times where we had a party on Friday and there was another party on Friday. One was my party, one wasn't, but I designed both flyers. Wow. Yeah, so there was a lot of that. So, I mean, I made some, yeah. Wow. So, So this moniker, Boogie, because you referenced it in your your barbershop video. Is that, like, your nickname? Where did that come from? So, that was my nickname. Okay. The reason is, 
because I used to break dance. Oh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm so, done. I used okay. to break dance like the wave and the six. I forgot what they call these moves now. I mean, like, but I used to be like pop locking and robot, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So that's where that nickname so came from. Dance crew name. So all the stuff I did were like Boogie's Cuts was like it's like Jacques Haircut Company, you know, like that I was see. so Boogie Graphics. Although I didn't do Boogie's Graphics, I did Boogie Graphics. The meaning of it was really Boogie Graphics. Really was like. It was like the property of Jacques, like the graphics that Jacques is creating. Mm-hmm. However, today it's been the definition has changed so much, but that's really where it came from. Mm-hmm. It was my nickname that became Boogie Graphics, and now it's just Boogie. So, so when you started uh, Boogie Graphics or Boogie, how many people were on your team? Oh, it means just me. It was just yeah. you. Oh, okay. So Boogie was Boogie Graphics is just me, and Boogie Gra- So I had this thing called Boogie Productions, mm-hmm. which was my hair cutting business, which is Boogie Cuts. My graphic design business, which is Boogie Graphics, and then Boogie Clips was my video editing business, and Boogie Records was my beat making business. At the time, I wasn't making it anymore, but I was still I, I still made a few songs in college, and I also I even made a song for Daisha back then when when I had her too. Raps? No, like no, she does. Oh, you oh, I made a you song made a for song her. for her. Oh, yeah. okay, that's cute. So. That's cute. Um, called Bambi now. <laughs> Don't try to jack that. Nah, I know. Um, Jadana, go cop that album, by yes, the way. Yes, fire um, album. So, but yeah, um, I, I so Boogie Production was the umbrella. Mm-hmm. But then eventually, like, my junior year, my sophomore year, going into junior, I had to, like, all right, I can't do all these things. And one of them was making more money. So it was a hard decision, but my junior year, I decided to stop. This was all hair. you were doing all this sophomore year of college. This was about freshman to sophomore. So you year. were what, like, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, maybe? Yeah, I was. Um, I went to college when I was eighteen, so okay. nineteen twenty. Yeah, nineteen twenty. Oh my gosh! Yeah, kind of business mindset you had at nineteen. Wow. I know nineteen. I mean, that's crazy. I guess I don't know. Like I don't know where it came from, but <laughs> so. But at the time, I was like, all right, I can't do all this stuff, and for a haircut, I was making. Eight dollars to ten dollars. People tip me too. I used to get twenties from people, but you know, especially like those white dudes would be like, "Yo, here, mm-hmm. not yo." I like you know. There's a I saw a meme, a commercial. There's no some like video on Facebook. Some guy was like, "Yo, I'm used to getting my haircut, but I went to get my haircut from this black dude." Oh, yo, I think I saw that video. <laughs> so I, I laughed because I had similar experiences. Yeah. So dudes used to give me like twenty. Bam, like, like I bet you sure. Like, is this paying advance for next time or not? <laughs> so. Um, but when I was, but I took an hour on air, all haircuts because I was such a like perfectionist and mm. I spent, you know, so it didn't make as much money since because I spent three hours on a flyer, but I may make 75 or a hundred. So then I technically I'm charging $25 an hour. So I said, you know, I'm going to stop cutting hair. Also too, there's the cleaning process yeah. and like, I can't just have hair here laying around. So, um, I don't think my roommates liked it very much. But either way, so I started, I stopped cutting hair um, going into my junior year. So then I was only just doing the graphics, some of the video and some other things um, when I was in college, yeah. So, um, but today I only cut my hair and Daisha's hair. Mm -hmm. So I only cut mine. And she, she actually came to me for her cut her first time, like the big chop. 
Yeah. Really? And, and back, back, like, we were talking back then. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look, I don't know oh, if yeah, I can do this. School. Yeah, Aww. we're in school. So I was like, I don't know if I, because it's, you know, as a barber, it's, yeah, sure. But it's like somebody she was talking to, I'm like, eh. Like, what if I don't like it? Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously it was not my decision to make. So I ended up cutting it. And after it was done, I saw her. And she's just someone who's like, without any feature she just has a pretty face mm-hmm. so like let's just say since i saw her then i've never like every other time she said hey i'm growing my hair back i'm like okay and the moment i cut her hair I just all along like i i could imagine her with hair but like i don't want i don't yeah, want her don't to want, have other yeah. like ever since she did it i'm like wow this is it let's do this uh, so like this is your um, look yeah oh my gosh tell me the fairy tale story behind you and daisha please because I, I know all about the, the <coughs> epic marriage proposal. I mean, you have to share that with the audience too. But give us like a, a brief day one of how like things came into play with you and Daisha. So we were um, in college, right? So it was like a typical, I meet somebody, she meets me, and we're just like kicking it. Really, like in college, you're kicking it with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we were very open in our dialogues and communication from day one. So, uh, what what happened was, we were both very, like, we're in college. We don't want to tie ourselves to anyone. Let's just live our life. But it just little moments kept on getting making us get closer and closer to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, she became a really good friend of mine at first. And, like, we were trying to, like, push each other away. But it just kept on, it, it, it just happened. Yeah. So, ultimately, we eventually gave in. Professionally... The thing she helped me with the most was, you know, I wasn't born here, so grammar and English was like, writing was a big issue for me. So what she did was, she was a phenomenal writer. So early on in the boogie, she used to be the person who helped us write, um, helped us write a lot of the the copy for like mm-hmm. projects and and website and all that kind of stuff. So, and I say us, she helped me because it was just me. Mm-hmm. It was just me at the time. But so that's really what. Like, what, what I fell in love with, it was the writer. Like, it was that, that story. Um, so, you know, fast forward, I graduated. She graduated six months after I graduated. We moved in together. It actually happened by accident. Like, mm-hmm. she was like... But wait, at this... Okay, so how long were you two dating at that moment? Were it's weird. We kind of... It's weird. We kind of... Fa- like, we never... Officially. Mm-hmm. So, we met November 16th. 2009, right? Okay. At approximately... Th- <laughs> no, but we've been November 16, 2009. And officially, November 16, 2012 is when I said, hey, we've been living like we've been together, but we never, like, officialized it with a date. Really? Okay. So November 16, 2012, I said, hey, like... like Let's be we, in high You know, well, you, yeah. you, exactly. Um, so if you look up there, 1116, oh, that's what that represents. So um, in, in our house, there's... Uh, if you're listening, there's a, a, a the numbers eleven and sixteen on the wall. <laughs> so, and yeah. So, anyways, so we met, and then so that's when November November sixteen, twenty twelve, we made it like official. If that mm-hmm. means anything, and she graduated in December that same year. Okay. Now, <clears throat> December she graduated. She came. She went back home. She came to Albany in January to do her job at uh, New York State. January like first or whatever so she was staying with me for a little while like 
as she thinks of what she's going to do, whether she's going to find a roommate or something like that. Ultimately, she ended up staying for a few months. And we're like, why don't we just move in together? Mm -hmm. So it became there. So we moved in 2013, um, July. But in July... Yeah, yeah, something like that. In, in in July 2013, the same year, I guess, she also moved, uh, started working with Boogie full time. Okay. So she became, because she was always helping. She was always there. Yeah. Social media, this, all that stuff. But she officially full time joined the company. In um, what capacity? And what she was doing, you mean? Mm-hmm. And I mean, in short, everything. Oh, okay. She was doing everything, you know, like, but in like, Officially, she was like strategy. She was doing social media strategy for clients. She was a writer, um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Contracts, stuff like that. Okay. A jello of all trades for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> fast forward to you know, so we were running this company together, and in twenty fourteen, twenty thirteen was a tough year. I'll say, um, and I'll share this too. And I don't share this story as as much, but it's the um, first chapter of my book is called December 2013 because that's a very important month in my life it's the month that I feel like I was really re- reinvented or transformed or reborn um, the long story short version is that that's the month where everything went completely down like the company basically started over from scratch mm-hmm. around at that time we had some employees um, that we hired we never had the money to afford anyone that we had mm-hmm. however we got employees and we were waiting on some contracts that never came through in september I, you know i told i was very transparent hey guys we don't have any money and i don't want to own any owe anybody so i was i let them know hey we don't have any money so we did what we could i was um we we're living here i started being late on rent um mm-hmm. i just like not paid rent and i paid employees I would take out credit cards, then I would charge Boogie as if Boogie, as if I was a cli- uh, client, so that the cash that comes from that credit card I could then use to pay employees. Mm. Like if I got a three thousand dollar credit card, I would turn that to three thousand dollars and then use that to pay. So I just did everything we could. Mm-hmm. So December twenty thirteen wasn't when everything became zero. It's when. Everything became zero. Everything was maxed out. Everything was as negative as it could be. And they were still like, there's no more. Hmm. So, ended up, the last two, um, like December, early December, like December 5th or something, I told the team, like, we're going to have to all take two-week vacation, two-week break, unpaid, as we waited to hear these back from these three contracts that we pitched for. And, you know, I mean, they weren't happy about it, but... There was nothing we could do. Yeah. So, um, heard back from the first one. We didn't get that one. Um, heard back from the second one. And we ended up actually not getting that one either. And in December 20th is when we finally got the email from the third one, which said, thank you, but we're going to go with somebody else. Oh, my goodness. So, um, that day, I made a call to the team and said, hey, um, so that two week break we took is going to have to become permanent. Mm. So the 20th until um, the 20th until the uh, the first was like probably the worst 10 days of my life. And having Daisha with me is probably the only thing that allowed me to keep going. 
I mean, I'm not going to say me like I was the only one struggling. We were together in this. But, you know, we're, you know, you're talking about we at this point have zero clients. We um, got no's for all the projects we were expecting. We are, you know, we behind months on rent, mm-hmm. behind months on our gas, everything. And it's like, like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. So for the first time in my life, December 20-something, and that Christmas, you know, I didn't go home. You know, we just stayed up here and just like, we didn't, I mean, I'm sure there were tears and stuff, but we were just like to each other. But for the first time in life, that time, I went to, Mon- <coughs> excuse me, I went to monster.com to see like what was out there, like job-wise. Like, Cause I've, never, cause I've never had a job before. Uh-huh. Like I've had like read small stuff. I haven't had a real job. So at that point, because I basically said I think the company is done. So um, and it, so it was a tough time. And you know we prayed a lot and a bunch of things. And then December thirty first, finally got over things and said, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. Um, this is my fault. Uh, and I'm gonna become a better leader. I'm gonna become you know stuff like that. And then you know spoke things to existence. <clears throat> so I'm gonna read more. I'm gonna do all this more. And it led to 2014 being the best year of my life. So 20, the year started, we said, we rebranded the company. We dropped graphics. That's why we became Boogie. Mm -hmm. So Boogie was our visual showing us that this is a brand new company. Mm -hmm. So technically, Boogie's been around since 2014. Okay. Since just three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, again, still no clients, still no anything. But we had two interns that were coming on in January 2nd. And I was going to call them and say, hey, guys, this company don't exist anymore. But we ended up letting them come in. That was 2014. And 2014 came, January 5th, got a call. Hey, we want you to teach uh, X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z. I also started tithing that year. 10% of my money goes to church, that kind of thing. Since then, haven't seen a bank account on zero or negative. Uh... I... Proposed to Daisha in February. Oh my gosh. So January happened. It was a teaching. In February, I proposed to Daisha. March, I released my proposal video. <clears throat> Excuse me. It went viral mm-hmm. um, all over the internet. Um, April, I guess we were just prepping for being married because we got married in May, which was paid for by Fox News. And I'll tell yeah. a little bit more about that story. Um, and, I mean, yeah, so it was just a, a perfect year. And perfect is a strong word, but it's just, like, everything worked itself out. And it showed me that that's probably the lowest I could have ever been. So it shows me that, you know, once you've been that low, you know what to not ever get to. But it's easy for you to deal with anything else. Like, once you do, you know, once you've been that low. So since then, I started reading two to three books a month. I <clears throat> I started, started working out. I mean, I lost... I lost um, 20 pounds in, in two months or something like that. I I mean, I just started living a, a much better life. Mm-hmm. And I created my blog that same year. My first, So that's the first time going away from Boogie is my only thing. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's when, like, the... That's when new things started yeah. coming up. Teach speaking engagements and a bunch of things like that, you know? So, but I was just in a different place mentally. You know, that's really what it was. Um... But yeah, so 2014, and the rest, you know, don't get me wrong, it hasn't been like, since then, it's been very easy, obviously not, but, you know, we put in work, and we mm-hmm. we, we see the, the 
results from the work we put in. Mm-hmm. So, but that's um, and and you know about the proposal, I'll share that with you real quick for those who's listening. So, um, we we obviously work in marketing, so I wanted to propose to her a way that involved marketing, and I'm sure there's gonna be a link below yes, that you can look be. at the video. But uh, after we uh, got engaged, a lot of our friends and family started asking us about how we did it. So I created a video for it. And I'll, I'll tell you what the video said. Basically, um, I was in class um, teaching in February. So January 5th, they said, do you want to teach? My first class was January 20th. <clears throat> Excuse me. Nope, 23rd. January 23rd is my first day. Um, so I have memory dates. I remember dates. So like specific dates that were monumental to me. I remember them. Um, so I remember. So I started teaching, and in February, call it February. The Tuesday, uh, Valentine's Day was the fourteenth, which was a Friday. The Tuesday of that week, so I guess that was the eleventh. Um, got an email, basically from this guy who writes at Inc. Magazine, saying, you know, any entrepreneurs want to like publicly thank their significant other for their success. Um, if they want to do it, um, if they want to send me something, I'm going to publish in this article. So I said, sure, this is easy. Let me, my students are working on something. I was like, let me just send this to him, write this in 10 minutes real quick. And, um, we'll be good to go. <clears throat> Two hours later, I was still there writing. And that's the moment I realized, like, I need to, like, I need to make this grow my wife. Okay. Um, and you know, back then, same story. Because we just coming from December 2013. Yeah. So it's not like I have money or anything like that. You know, let's, you know, uh, keep it clear. Um, but I'm like, I'm going to make this happen. So uh, so I, I wrote the whole piece. And I said to him at the end, I said, by the way, if you are going to publish this, then please add this at the end, which is like, Daisha, X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z, will you marry me? Mm-hmm. Right? So that was the... Um, that's kind of how, uh, that was like my way of, of um, that was my way of, of like doing the first part of the proposal, essentially. Then secondly, uh, the next day, which was Wednesday, the article went live. But I saw it, and as with most articles, it only um, included like just a few lines. Mm. So I said, ah, man, I spent all this time writing. So I took, I've, I took that, all the stuff I wrote and created a website called DareDaysha.com. Where I put all that information in there, all that copy, um, and then so that was the two things. And on Thursday morning, I called her parents to ask for permission. And on Friday, I went to a jewelry store that I knew the owner of, and I told him what I was trying to do. He says, "Yo, I'll give it to you." He gave me a ring with a decent price. He gave me a much better price than it was going out for. Because although I didn't have money, I also didn't want to buy something really cheap. Yeah. I wanted something that could be. So, you know, whatever, you know, one thing led to another. And, um, you know, everything kind of worked out. And so on Friday, Valentine's Day, we're going to um, to an event. But I told her, let's stop by the clients first. Stop by the client so that we can look at um, their... Jewish store was going to become a client of ours. So I said, let's go there first so I can meet him real quick. And then after that, we'll go. So that's what was the conversation. (laughs) So I said, I'm going to go first, but then you come after me. I go in. She then came in. Then after that, uh, the woman said, "Uh, hey, excuse me. uh, We're doing some um, surveys on young women. 
we're doing service on young women and I want to know um, what like your thoughts are on the following rings so she showed her she showed Daisha two rings those are the two rings I had picked early that day so <clears throat> the ring Daisha chose she said okay thank you then she said wait you look familiar is your name Daisha she's like yeah she's like oh I read about Daisha earlier today and she said hey look and she turned an iPad that was next to her and that iPad had a um, had the DearDaysha.com link preloaded, which I changed it up to become more like a letter. Dear Daysha, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're that. And at the end, it says, you didn't realize it, but I've been trying to propose to you all week. You know, and it says, first, I got an article published on Inc. Magazine. <laughs> then I got um, on our TV, we have a slideshow of us. And there's a Will You Marry Me slide that I, I slid in there. I said, um, but she never noticed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was singing to her all week, uh, Let's Get Married by Jagged Edge. Uh-huh. Um, and then, um, and then, but I said, you know, but if you, uh, something like, but this is, let me make it official, turn around. And by the time she turned around, I was behind her. I, you know, I did the whole Ooh, thing. So The waterworks, all yes, that. Yes, <laughs> the waterworks. And we put the video up and it went viral. Then we got contacted by Fox News, who... Sponsored the wedding. Gali Lahav sponsored the wedding gown, which was a $25,000 wedding gown. Oh, my goodness. Um, we got married at Central Park Boathouse in New York City, <laughs> May 22nd, 2014. Wow. I have chills yeah. right now. That is so beautiful. <laughs> and they, um, they sponsored the whole thing. That is a blessing. For yeah. real. The wedding cost me 200 something dollars, and that's because I had to rent my tux. Because the person who was going to sponsor the tux was out of town that week. I'm done. Oh, my goodness. That is truly a blessing. I'm so happy for the two of y'all. Thank you. At what point did you you know that she was the one? It had to have been early on. I mean, I've I've always thought she was. Okay. You know, like, there's a typical, like, yeah, but you're basically saying this is the last person ever. Mm -hmm. Like, you sure, bro? You know, like... You're going to live, say, to 80, between 80 and 100, you're in your 20s. You're basically saying the next three-fourths of your life is going to be just, the, you, yeah. sh- you know, like that. Um, and So I've always known it. Okay. But I guess that time that I was writing in that class, it just, like, hit me so hard. It was like, what are you doing? Like, all this stuff you just wrote down, it's not yours. Until you make it yours in a sense of like, you know, proposing and make it official. So um, that's kind of what solidified it. Like, yo, what do you, you know, you know, and I've always said things like, but I can't afford a wedding now. I can't do this, Mm -hmm. you know. And at this time, I just led by faith. I'm like, look, we can get married when we 40 years old, Mm -hmm. but we're going to be engaged at the very least. Mm -hmm. So that's what led to that. What are your life plans with her for the next five years? Like, do you plan on having children? Do you want to move out the country? Like, what are some things that you would like to do with her as your wife? Got you. So, um, the next few years, the next few years, um, we are, so we're moving back to New York City Mm -hmm. for many reasons, but one of them is because we know that we want to have kids soon. We've wanted to have kids for the last few years. It's just we know the life we have it's not that easy to bring kids into it. Yeah. We figured we can, um, um, it will be better to be by family. Mm-hmm. So we're moving to New York City because of that. We've been traveling a lot ever since we got married. 
um, the, you know, we didn't have the money to afford a honeymoon. So we said in a year, if we could afford it, we're going to take a honeymoon once a month. Mm-hmm. So May 2015, we went to Florida. We went to Tampa and then we went to Miami. And then like every month after we went somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So we went for about a week or a few days or something like that. But, you know, we said we we're going to take a honeymoon once a month to make up for the fact that we couldn't take one. So we've traveled a lot, but we haven't traveled um, as much internationally. Mm. So now that the company, our company, we're transitioning to becoming a fully remote company versus having offices. So we just closed three of our offices, all three of them. Now we're going to be able to travel a little bit more. Um, but there's also a little more. I think we spent our younger younger 20, because she's 26 um, now. 25 turns 26 in a few months. Um, whatever, in two months. But we spent our younger 20 years working. Mm-hmm. Like, we've been hustling this whole time. I think we're going to try to, you know, do a little bit more living in the next few years. So, like, you know, there are certain things. Like, I know she wanted to go to law school. So, I want her to still pursue that if she wants to. You know, like, I don't want it to be like, you join me for this company and now, and that's it for you. So, I want her to, um, you know, pursue that. There are some other things. She wants to do some more writing. Some writing um, in terms of, like, for different publications and stuff. So, we're going to explore a lot of those things. And being closer to being in New York City will allow us to pursue some of those other personal things that we've wanted to before we kind of just kind of dove in and just work 24-7 like we've been doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, as your wife also being your business partner... How has it been for you um, in terms of balancing your, you know, your work relationship with her and your obviously your life relationship with her? Has there been any, um, you know, run-ins, any difficulties? Do you have advice for people who, you know, maybe um, running a business with their partners? How to navigate that? Yeah. So I think it's important to have a. It's really important to have a strong base in your relationship. Because um, not having one, like, there are people who sometimes, like, they don't have a strong base in their relationship, but then they say they have a kid or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps them get closer for a while, but then maybe, like, once the kid gets old enough to, like, be, like, you know, autopilot, then it becomes a matter, then, yeah, stuff starts coming. People start cheating and stuff like that. Um, and it's because the base was never strong in the beginning. So I think for us, our base was so strong that... We can go. We were able to get through almost anything, mm-hmm. business, um, client, this, being broke together. We've done all of it. So for us, I mean, on a typical week, we spend twenty four hours a day together, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. The, you know, the last few weeks I've been to New York City at least once a week, or we've been there together. And I remember specific. There was a day like we were with each other the whole time. I left in the morning. Um, at she dropped me in the uh, train station at like six a.m. And I was going to take the train back to Albany to get back at 1 a.m. And just the time she dropped me off to when I got back, I miss her like crazy, mm-hmm. you know. But it's, it's, it's the same thing. Just like right now, she's in New York City for, um, she left yesterday. But like, we're both like, all right, we're only, you know, we're both like, you know, it, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's um, normal or whatever, you know, unhealthy. I, I don't care, you know, but yeah. um so, yeah, I mean, we're used to being with each other 24-7. We don't, I don't know, like, and, but, you know, for us, too, our characteristics are, we're both very, 
excuse me, we're both very um, like selfless people, like naturally. Mm-hmm. So it's like I give her my all, she gives me my all. And we both take care of that all for each other. So because of that, it's easy. So, I mean, I think in terms of other people doing it, if your relationship is it's not easy by itself, I feel like introducing something like business or something like that, it won't be that. It will probably make it even worse. It will make mm, it harder. Okay. So, But if it's like I know her strength, I know her weaknesses, I know the stuff that she's not going to change, and I know the things she will, and I invite and you know, yours as well, it's compromise. You decide and make decisions and whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. You know, we have these other unwritten rules. We never really talk about them, but they exist where regardless if we're mad at each other, we don't leave the office. Um, when we leave the office, it's like a 25-minute drive home. By that time, the moment we get home, we become husbands and wives. Again. So, like, mm-hmm. we better figure it out in the middle of that time. Um, but it's, we also can't stay mad at each other. Like, we don't, mm-hmm. like, we don't argue. Like, I don't know, it's weird. We have disagreements and conversations and silent moments, stuff like that, but they never last. Because my theory is, I said I do because I'm, I plan on this being forever. And if I know ultimately the end goal is forever, there's no point of wasting even an extra minute being mad. Because at some point we're going to make up and it's going to be like we wasted three days not talking or yeah. ten minutes not talking. So, my, so a lot of time I'll say like, look, we're going to make up by tomorrow morning. Why don't we just get a head start? Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of those things, you know. So, um, but it also has a lot to do with knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're still learning who we are, but I think we learn each other together. So, like, I was finding myself, she was finding herself together. So, it made it easy for us to kind of mesh and be the same person. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm very blessed and, and, and very lucky, you know, in life. And I think, I, you know, I pray for companionship like I have for a lot of other people. Um, you know, I think... You know, people say it's rare. I don't. I don't have an. Ex- I don't know. You know, I just like, cause I I see relationships and I see. I'm like, yeah, why would she? But then it's just not my reality. You know, so I'm just gonna take what God gave me and to keep moving. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's has been. I mean, it's, it's probably been the best thing that happened to me is us working together. Oh Our life is intertwined. We can make decisions like, let's just stop. You know, let's just close offices and still we can make those decisions. Mm-hmm. So that's um that's been our experience. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And, you know, marriage is a business relationship anyway. Yeah, true that. It works hand in hand. (laughs) Do you have any advice um, for young people or maybe some wise words for young people who are navigating the waters of um, relationships and, you know, heartbreak or, you know, just trying to find love? Like, what are some words of wisdom that you would give them? I think um, when it comes to marriage, and I'd even say the same thing with, like, owning a business because I know that's something a lot of people are doing. I will say that, like, it's not supposed to be easy. Mm-hmm. Like, there are people who may get into a situation and then the moment something uncomfortable happened or, like, something they don't want, they tend to run away or figure out, you know, something happens. But, like, it's supposed to have difficulty. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. It's supposed, like, you know, if you want things you've never had, like companionship and somebody to, you know, you're going to have to be willing to do things you've never done, whether it's put ego aside or giving things, you know. So I guess my, my biggest advice is just that most of the things you get into in life, especially if it's your first time doing it, and if you're doing it because of a certain result that you want, just keep in mind you can't have things you've never had without doing things you've never done. Mm. You know, it's supposed to be difficult. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to not be easy. Preach.
So um, you've been running um, your company Boogie in Albany or the Capital Region area for what, like four, five years now? So since August 2012 is when I um, got the first office. August 2012 is when I signed the first lease and all that. So almost five years. Okay. And you've expanded to having offices in the LA and in Brooklyn, but you know, Albany obviously is the home. Um, but can you tell me a little bit more as to why you decided to close down your three offices and completely transfer over to being a remote um, company? The reason we, we closed the offices is because um, there are a few reasons, but one of them is, you know, most importantly, being young people in business who this is either a lot of our first jobs, you know, we have very, very, very empty cups. Mm -hmm. So we don't have like traditions to uphold. So we're able to kind of make decisions based on, hmm, this looks like it feels good. You know, so two years ago, we decided to turn take off Wednesdays. So that was the first decision. Boogie, you know, Boogie team, Boogie was off on Wednesdays. So that was the first thing. So now it basically makes sense that the next transition is something else. We all travel a lot or we want to travel a lot. Um, and, you know, the whole thing came up with, you know, for the last, a few weeks ago, our web developer was gone for three weeks in London. He was there working and it felt like he was there, um, you know, and most of our team is already kind of all over the world. We have people in Argentina, we have people in Czech Republic and people in New York City who in those places, they're just kind of working um, wherever they are. So we've already been somewhat remote. We have team members here in Albany who also work from home a few days out the week because they, you know, long commute or something like that. So the conversation came up and it was like, hey, you know, why don't we entertain the idea? Um, you know, we also had to renew our lease and we we're saying, hmm, do we actually want to renew it? Because our team uh, is a lot less in Albany now and our space was huge. So we were saying, um, so we started thinking about it. So we ended up giving a test. So for six weeks, we tested, you know, we work from home one week, then we work at the office the next week, home the next week, then office the following week, home again, then office. And at the end of each week, we kind of tested it to see how did it work. Um, and we saw that we we're more productive at home, but yet we are able to travel more if we work from home, we can work from anywhere and stuff like that. So it just kind of made sense to us. So that's kind of what led to it. Mm -hmm. So how has it been for you um, running your business in Albany? So it's to my understanding that you have um, national, international clients, but being able to have a home base in Albany, how's that been? How has that experience been for you? So, I mean, I, I will forever, forever be grateful to Albany because I got all of my starts here. You know, like I found who I was here. I met my wife here. Most of my best friends here, um, and a lot of this is also you, Albany, but same thing. Mm -hmm. um, started the company here, early clients here, so everything was here. Um, another, you know, so from this move, I'm actually going to be moving back to New York City. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a lot of reasons behind that. One of them is, I think I mentioned earlier, was me and my wife, um, you know, want to have kids, you know, and when we do, we want to be closer to the family. That's the first thing. Second reason is um, our life is becoming way more than boogie, um, whether it's speaking engagements to um, neighborhoods who may not have people that look like those kids that live there come speak to them about like opportunities and stuff like that. 
and most of those um i do those in the city so i'm there often doing things like that um so there there are a lot of reasons beyond the the fact that um you know beyond the fact that like we want to have kids and stuff like that there's also client reasons like most of our clients are in new york city Mm -hmm. so because of that fact um it would put us closer to it the last six weeks we've either rented a car to go down or got in um amtrak and then we've either um stayed most of the time when we there we stay in a hotel so that's like two three nights of hotel per night per week you know it adds up itself Mm -hmm. so there are a bunch of different reasons i will also say though um uh, you know, I love Albany, love um, a lot of people I've met. Um, you know, most of the people I know, I think, in life are from Albany. So my life is more Albany than anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I will be honest and say that there is also a part of me that's always felt like I didn't necessarily belong here as much. Um, primarily because of the lack of, I want to say, diversity in mm-hmm. Albany. Um, you know, it's great being the only one in certain rooms and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Um, but... It, it gets tiring, mm-hmm. you know, being honest, it gets tiring, it gets old, um, and, you know, I, and I'll say, you know, there are parts of me that feels, feels really bad leaving Albany, you know, because it's like, I know that there's, the, you know, myself and my wife, we, we represent something to a lot of people, and the hope is that, you know, if we were inspirational to anyone or motivational to them, we hope that inspiration and motivation lasts and stays in you know, allows them to keep pursuing what they're doing and still keep working, you know, not like, oh, they left. So, you know, I, you know, so I hope that it stays, but also us leaving, we're only going to be doing bigger and better things. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to, you know, my life's mission has changed. And because of that, I personally need to be in a bigger city where I can make a bigger impact. I want to spend the rest of my life creating opportunities for people of color Mm -hmm. and using my experiences and, and talents and everything to help my community. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I need to be somewhere that has a much bigger audience, bigger reach, and to make bigger impact. So um, it sucks. And, you know, the same way I could say that, I, why don't I go and do this in Haiti? You know, that's my country, you know. But right now, New York City is where that's where that's starting at mm-hmm. for me. What are some ways um, or some things that you think... Um you know, the city of Albany can, can approve upon to, you know, if there was like, okay, for example, if um, Albany was begging and pleading for you to stay here, they were trying to present their case to you like, well, we are gonna, we're going to do these things. We have these things to offer to you. This is, these are the reasons why we would want you to stay. What would you think those reasons would be? If Is this, this the city case? of Albany or is this like Albany as a place? Um, Cause city, Albany as a place. Because city, I think government. Like, yeah, no, 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 no. It was like... Tax savings, or you know, those yeah. kind of yeah. No, Albany destination. Um, place. Some more diversity, mm-hmm. I'll say. Um, some more diversity. And I'm not going to say more of a challenge. I'm not going to say that. Because the territory that I play in has always been New York City. Mm-hmm. You know, like the people that we compete with client wise, has always been New York City. Um, but more diversity is, is important, I think. Um, you know, more. And this is something that the city can offer. I think it's a much better lifestyle when you have access to things like your your Ubers and your Lyfts and your, your Instacarts and all those things, right? So, like, all those doesn't play a big role, but the lack of access to technological advances because of, you know, the 
pleasures of being a small town and also elected officials having control over certain things and you know other people have money in certain things um because of that <clears throat> there are a lot of things that albany doesn't have you know way of life type of stuff and you know i'm i teach those things to students i teach them that they can build these things but technically i don't get the chance to even live these things you know mm-hmm. what i mean so i know more of that would help um so i said diversity more of like that technical technological part of things would help um you know it's not this is not something that could change but i think there are a lot of people who are i want to say i don't even know how to i don't even know how how to word this so i mean I, i'll stick with those two i'll okay. stick with those two for now i mean you know there's not like there's a, you know more more things to do when they hurt you know, mm-hmm. more options. Uh, there's There are definitely things to do. So it's, I haven't been to every single restaurant. So I can't complain. I haven't been to every single, you know, but more options, more diversity of options, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's like, all right, you can either go to a restaurant, go to a bar, wait, what else? you know, like go bowling, you know, so it's like you eventually run out of experiential things you mm-hmm. can do. So more options also when it hurt. I mean, yeah. I think those are some things. And I think everybody in Albany wants those things. So it's not just a me thing. Yeah. So. But and those wouldn't get me to stay. But I'm just saying those are things that Albany could use more of. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and in my point of view, I think that a lot of people in Albany um, become complacent um, with, you know, their status here or what they've got going on here. That they don't, they may not have the motivation or the drive to, you know, seek other experiences to see what it's like to live in a different city. Like for me, um, I haven't lived anywhere else but Albany. And I'm dying to get out and just see what else is out there outside mm-hmm. of the capital region. Um, I know that Albany has a lot of potential, but it's just, it's not moving quick enough for me right now. Right. So, gotcha. And I have a lot of people in my ear right now who have been telling me, just stay a couple of years. It's going to, stay a couple more years. It's going to be great. It's going to be exactly what you want. It's going to be this big, it's going to be this mecca. It's going to have all I mean, these opportunities. Here's the thing too. Like, the reality of it is that it's going to still be here for you. Yeah. Like, even if you go to Antarctica, like, you can come right back to Albany. Yeah, no, yeah. You know, so, like, the I think with the kind of, like, the investment thinking, which is, like, you know, hey, stay here. Um, watch in five years is going to be the place to be. Hey, cool. I'll come back in five years. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that doesn't have to be the reason why someone stays yeah. somewhere, you know. Because not for nothing, too. People in New York want to get out of New York. People in that's L.A. want to get out of L.A. It's just a... That's what you're used to. You just want to get out and do something else. Mm-hmm. Regardless of where you're from, if you have the best things, what you don't have is really the thing that you need. Mm-hmm. All of it, you know? So um, so people with the urge to leave, I don't think, uh, you know, I think it's beyond just what your city has or doesn't have. Those are excuses. You're finding a reason to say, yeah, that's why, because of these things. But yeah. in actuality, you just want to get out. You want something different. Yeah. You want a different experience. It's okay to switch it up. <laughs> so. But, yeah. I feel you. Um, so, can you talk a little bit more about Shade? So, I'm um, understanding that it's your newest company, yep. and it's an influencer marketing company. So, tell the people a little bit about that. So, we are an influencer management agency for black and brown influencers. Mm-hmm. And what that means is we find black and brown influencers on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube that has high following. We recruit them to be part of us. It's almost like a record label signing somebody on or a um, modeling agency except we're an influencer marketing agency. We help them fix up their image, so to speak, their digital image. So in a modeling agency, if they help them like style or whatever, mm-hmm. we do that digitally, <laughs> their social media page, whatever. 
and then we help try to get them work with companies with brands um, whether it's posting for brands or becoming a brand ambassador for them things like that mm-hmm. so where do you see shade going from like what's your um, projection for shade in a year, like a year from now a uh, year from now I see shade as a company that a lot of people know almost like the go-to place if you want to have diversity in your campaign mm-hmm. or if you just want to reach black and brown consumers mm-hmm. um, year from now that's kind of where I see us yeah I mean I can totally um, you know understand this coming from being in that position where I was a youtuber well, I want to say 2012 2014 2015 um, making videos and having companies reach out to me or using um, mm-hmm. platforms like famebit and you know <laughs> seeking those opportunities it's it's I think things like shade companies like shade are needed in our community yeah. uh, because there's a lot of opportunities um, not, I'm not going to say that aren't for people of color, but obviously don't tailor to our interests or are limited. Like, um, if there was an, an opportunity on FameBit and I knew that it was for me, it was for Fashion Nova, which mm-hmm. obviously is an urban clothing line, or some there, hair, some hair, yep, some hair weave, or, or yeah. African black soap. Like, we're more than that. We're not mm-hmm. just limited to those three products. Like, we wear X, you know, we mm-hmm. wear X, we could promote exactly. every brand that exists, we can do yeah. it, you know? So, no, nah, I feel you. And that's, that was one of our biggest mission, which was like, and that's why we focus so much on the diverse of talent that we have. Mm-hmm. So we have chef, estheticians, dancers, um, you know, and your typical models, uh, mm-hmm. workout people. So we have these different people we represent because we want to be more than just natural hair. Although we have people that covers that, we just want to be more than that. Mm-hmm. And we are more than that as people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like what you have going on with that. So yeah. Thank you. Up. No problem. So, okay, so this is going back early into the conversation. You So you said when you were younger that you kind of used to dress up like you were going to church all yeah. the time. So does that style still kind of resonate with you today? Because I did see that you said that you wear a blazer almost everywhere you go. Like, yeah. If, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're in your house right now. You're chilling. But if you're walking outside, you're throwing a blazer on. So what's your style like now? So now it is that. It's the, I wear a blazer every day. That's like my <laughs> thing. Um, and... Sometimes it's a blazer with a t-shirt under it, mm-hmm. like what I would do with this one. Um, or sometimes it's a blazer with a button-up and suspenders. That's like suspenders mm. and button-up is my thing. Um, and, it, you know, it's comfortable. And it's, I don't know if there's a correlation between what I used to do back then and now. But I know, like, <laughs> in college and everything, I got a chance to break away from it and do whatever I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but my life kind of took me here. And I like it. I mean, it's, you know, I have this, th- there's some s- stylist key component to that as well you know i you only have one first impression there's a lot of those in there like like i'm always ready to meet anybody oftentimes i'm always the most dressed person in most rooms i go to um not like best look best dress but like most dress like Mm -hmm. blazer or something like that and i'm cool with that the only place i don't wear blazer and i'm still working on that is going to the gym or playing ball oh my goodness urban (laughs) outfit uh uh, not urban outfit is um under armor they make blazers and pants that are like rubber bandy or whatever. What? Yeah, they make blazers and pants for the um, Secret Service. Stop. So them, who's protecting the president, they need to. Yeah, oh, so they make those sense. with their with their material. So looking into it. I better not see you on Instagram. I know. <laughs> In the gym with a blazer, an Under Armour blazer. That's all I'm missing. Then I I need to sleep with a blazer, and I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. So I am. Um, yeah, that's how I dress, and but it's it's a good. It also helps me because it's a good default. Like I don't have to think about what I'm gonna wear. 
I start with a blazer and I work down, or I start with pants and I work up. Okay. But believe it or not, while I look like I spent the most time trying to get dressed, it's easier. When I'm shopping, I only need to buy a blazer, the shirt that goes in there, or suspender. That's all I buy, or some pants. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think of wife beater and some of those other things, other components that goes into an outfit. I mean, obviously, it's a lot more for women. You guys have a lot more accessories, but I'm saying for me, it's easier. Mm-hmm. So when I'm getting dressed as well, I just pick one. You know, now I mostly wear just black or white shirt on the inside. I have some colors, but I mostly like I have like over ten white shirts and about the same for black shirts. Mm-hmm. So I, I could just it's the same exact shirt, but I just buy multiple versions of it, and I just put, you know <laughs> so. Almost like cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> okay, SpongeBob. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, he does have a button-up, right? Oh. Like a button-up with oh, a yeah, brown with those, tie with or the something. Ties, I think it's the suspenders. Yeah. Look at that. SpongeBob. <laughs> Look at that. Um, what were some like trends, like fashion trends that you like? You know, took part in in high school and middle school, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like what's what are some things that stand out so, to you? So Jordan phase, I couldn't afford it. Okay. I didn't have the money, so I never like went through that. The skinny jean was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love that, and I went, I took it, I went and ran with it. So that skinny you had jean all colors? thing. No, but uh, what? I was always unique. How could you have um, an affinity for skinny jeans and not get like the red, the green, the like, purple? What? Maybe I couldn't afford it. I don't know. <laughs> but I've always probably the most brightest colored dresser that you do oh, okay i've always like i had pink pants and like i was that dude mm-hmm. yellow pants um green pants so but I, I i did like the skinny jean but i think that's it i never like the whole like long t-shirt thing that that's happening new. well i've been wearing blazers so like that's all i do that's now true, so true. Uh, anything now and new is going over my head because mm. i'm, I'm this set is the where style to stay yeah i see okay um so the last question I have to ask you, mm-hmm. a bonnet or a do-rag? Bonnet or do-rag. Okay. So, and don't tell nobody this, right? <laughs> bonnet. Um, I don't have a do-rag. And have you ever had a do-rag? I did in the past, back okay. to 360 waves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yes, every night I sleep with a bonnet. <laughs> because, <laughs> see, y'all gonna stop judging that me, man. That is so cute. So, uh, it's my wife's, and, you know, I have more hair than her now. Uh-huh. I have, um, I don't know. I have just, hair just whatever. letting it go natural so you know what would be funny is if Daisha wore a do-rag and I know. you and you wear a bonnet so yeah you know it's funny because she was getting she was trying to get waves uh huh so it's like we were brushing but technically the do-rag would probably help mm-hmm. so, it would you know but yeah so I wear a bonnet um yep that's, that's and then you know when I go like places with my boys I don't bring it <laughs> you know but um yep I wear a bonnet to sleep aww what hair products do you use to keep your, your curls on fleek? Um, so who is it? It's one of the one of the companies, and I use all their product. It's not Miss Jessie's. It's Talia Wajid. No. Shea Moisture. Shea. It's okay. Shea. I have so right now most of the time I do the lock method. Mm-hmm. The leave-in. What you oil, know about the lock the method? The leave-in, the oil thingy, mm-hmm. and then the conditioner. And the conditioner. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> Um, the lock method, and also um, I co co wash. Yes, I co wash. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> this is all they should teach me. Oh, okay, things. okay. I used to have um, uh, like escrow. Um, like my hair was like, like 
uh, texturized. Mm, okay. So I used to be like jerry curls. Mm -hmm. And then like a year ago from now, I went natural. Like I let it grow and I cut <laughs> it little by chop. little. I did, you know, I didn't do the big chop. I did the, there's another name, for, uh, like when you let it grow. Oh, transition. Transition. <laughs> yes. All those, uh, we went to a um, Black Enterprise, an event in last September, Black Enterprise, and they had like a battle of the sexes thing. Mm -hmm. And the guys won. Because most of the questions about hair, I was able to answer all of them. Oh, shoot. So, but okay. Now, so I did transition. And so now my hair is all natural. Mm -hmm. So that's how I've learned all these things. Um, but yeah, co-wash, lock method. Um, and I, 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 oh, my, my whole body now. No, I just, I use a black soap as well. Mm -hmm. I use a black soap from, I think, Shea Mercer. Oh, no, yeah, they do have um, and, um, black soap. I recently started using the... The, oh, yes, the facial scrub. The facial scrub That thingy. facial scrub is amazing. So, yeah, she's turning me into a real beauty blogger. <laughs> so, <laughs> Seriously. Yes, I'll make my own show soon. <laughs> Get um, your own YouTube channel. So, yes. Do some reviews. Bonnet. Yes. Okay. Well, um, that's about it for me. Thank you so, so much, Doc, for coming to talk to me on my show today. It was a pleasure having Same you. Same here. No I really appreciate it. So, Thanks for having me. No problem. So, yeah, um, that's all I have for today, y'all. Until next time, stay tuned. Peace.